You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and one step off the grid and the driven.io, the electric vehicle website. And um, joining me is, as usual, is Nigel from Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Um, it's a morning, Nigel. This is very unusual. It's <laughs> good morning, Giles. Good morning, listeners. Uh, not sure when you're listening to this, but we're up bright and early. Been for a walk on the beach, watch the sunrise. Happy days. Let's go. Oh my God! Look at that. So impressive. Look, I'm. You know, that makes me feel all the more better about our equipment failing last night when we tried to do the recording, <laughs> but um, nothing worked. Thanks to um, thanks to uh, Australia's great internet um, internet um, invention. Um, We've got a special guest today. It's um, Warwick Johnson from SunWiz, one um, a long-time sponsor of the podcast um, and also the author of a very important new report on battery storage. Warwick, thanks for joining us again. G'day, Giles. G'day, uh, Nigel. Great to be with you. Did you go for a walk along the beach and watch the sun, sunrise this morning, Warwick? No, but I'm just about to go for a jog along the Yarra River, so um, not, uh, I don't have the, the benefit of the beach, but um, it's not so bad here either, mate. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds nice anyway. Good one. Hey, look, um, lots of things to talk about, but I guess we'll get first into this battery storage report. Um, it came out, it's a, basically a summary of who, what, what was put in um, and when in 2019. And I think the rough statistic is about 22,000 um, small household installations, which is about the same as the year before, isn't it, Warwick? Perhaps you can tell us a bit more about what your um, survey found. Yeah, look, we actually saw a slight decrease in the number of installations, or uh, sorry, slight decrease in the volume of installations. Uh, so same numbers of installations, but at slightly lower capacity. Um, so in all uh, respects, the, the market was practically steady in terms of numbers. Uh, but what was interesting was there was so many uh, large-scale batteries installed that the overall uh, volume of storage capacity uh, input into the market actually uh, set a new record level. Weren't we supposed to be having a big boom in battery storage? Wasn't that sort of the next big thing and um, numbers were supposed to sort of double or even treble or something like that over the coming years? What's happened to that? Has it been delayed or is it um, what's happening in the market out there? Well, yeah, if you recall, uh, I think Bloomberg New Energy Finance forecast that would be up around 70,000 for the year, um, and we fell uh, 50,000 short of that. Uh, the reason that, uh, that that happened, I think, and Nigel spoke about it before on this podcast, is the solar industry is white hot. It's just so much easier to sell and to install a solar PV system. So I think that's drawn a lot of attention. And so uh, solar businesses are naturally more focused on where they can make easier money. Um, notwithstanding that, uh, of course, the um, the profit on a battery installation is, um, is substantially healthier, as people are finding nowadays. Uh, other factors include uh, foreshadowed government subsidies in Victoria and, and New South Wales, um, meaning that people hold off on their, their purchasing decisions. 
but even with subsidies in place that made the finances uh, extremely good, such as in South Australia, um, it took quite a while to build up some momentum. So there's a few factors there. Um, we were supposed to be having a, a market which was growing strongly, um, but uh, all of those combined to uh, make the market uh, pretty steady. Indeed, and I think um, uh, you, you made mention of um, South Australia there, and um, we did actually discuss, and I think Nigel sort of brought back the stories in South Australia, it wasn't really kicking up at all. But when the subsidy was about to run out, that's when everyone actually did pile in. So um, I think we've got a report five, last 5,000. 5,000 5, in the last week or so. That's right, yeah, which has wow. actually taken it up to about 12,000 um, all told, which is, a quarter, which is a quarter of a way through their plan. So... Um, the subsidy has gone down from $6,000 per battery storage installation, which is a, a pretty fine um, subsidy, it seems to me, now down to 4000 which is still better than nothing, obviously, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens now. I guess people just will sit in their hands for a, a bit, have a look around, and then once concluding there's nothing better going on, probably jump back into the market. What do you think, Nigel? Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I mean, subsidies do this every time, right? They cause, you know, artificial lumps and bumps uh, in demand. And, you know, the surge right at the end showed that, you know, the latent demand was there and, you know, everyone everyone got on their marketing high horses and reminded everyone that uh, it was a good opportunity and off they went. And, um, and now undoubtedly we'll see a, a little bit of a dry patch for a while until the market comes back. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's an inevitable consequence of these kinds of schemes. Uh, Warwick, I'm interested. Did you uh, the 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 reduction in size in batteries that you mentioned in your report is that is that a what do you think is driving that? Is that a function of supply and demand or different technologies or economic? What do you think was driving that? What are people telling you? Look, I think one of the factors there is uh, trying to make batteries more affordable. So essentially reducing the sticker price by reducing the amount of capacity there. Uh, you'll also see that um, you know, state government subsidies can also have uh, an effect. Uh, for example, the ACT is a per kilowatt rather than a per kilowatt hour subsidy. And uh, over the years, batteries have actually gotten smaller in capacity, just ability to discharge them more quickly in that scheme. Now that doesn't influence the whole market, but it's an example of where government policy, um, and whether it be a, a, a flat amount of subsidy has occurred in Queensland there for a while as well, regardless of what um, battery size you put in, um, can influence uh, what size uh, people are putting in. Right, so just people chasing people chasing economics because it's the, 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 at its heart, um, it's still a challenging economic proposition, right? Yeah, exactly, Nigel. And uh, that that said, when you if you're in South Australia, the combination of the uh, subsidy from the government on top of uh, the virtual power plants that sprung up and were offering additional um, financial benefits uh, could really see the uh, payback of uh, the solar and storage system wind um, right down to very healthy levels, and even um, the marginal payback just on the battery itself be you know in in a sweet spot. So. Uh, you know, we're kind of like seeing the market stimulated, if you like, in South Australia, particularly to that point where others can come in uh, and really uh, accelerate the, the benefits there. 
It's kind of interesting to me, actually, what you mentioned about the virtual power plants. I mean, to what extent do, you do the virtual power plants and the fact that um, your battery gets aggregated and then starts delivering services to the grid in terms of, you know, sort of um, either energy or sort of other services such as FCAS and things like that, to what extent is that actually changing or making the economics of a battery um, more interesting for households? Look, it can be quite significant, um, either in delivering some uh, forward-loaded benefits. So some of the um, BPP offerings included an additional uh, subsidy, you know, $2,000 or more in, in some cases um, on the, the um, price of the battery, and others that are you know, delivering you know, about 400 bucks a year, for example, on uh, participants. Uh, you know, and that's the additional saving they're getting um, from being involved. So... You know, that's that's a significant percentage improvement. It's not doubling your, your benefits, but uh, it certainly you know, can help uh, just get people over the line, I guess. Mm-hmm. And work, tell us about your business too, because you've um, announced some changes quite recently, and I think they're reasonably significant, particularly for the SunWiz part of the um, business. Can you tell us a bit what's happened and, and why and, and, and the way forward now? Yeah, thanks, Joel. So um, people may know the association between Sunwiz and PV Cell. We're the, um, uh, we've been developing that software since 2011. And uh, we got to the, the point where it's um, we, we saw somebody come along who could do uh, solar software um, far better than uh, even we could. And, um, and they were offering it for free. And uh, so when we uh, reached out and had a chat with um, Birchie of uh, Open Solar, um, we, we found a very strong alignment in what we wanted to do. And, um, and they've got big vision there. Um, they're wanting to uh, really get solar rolled out as quickly as possible across not just Australia, but in the US, etc., but um, through Asia and etc. And we just went, oh, we want to be a part of this. We don't want to you know, compete with, uh, with you. We want to um, grow with your business and 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 the other thing we we saw is we can bring extra things to the open solar offering um, that can accelerate that growth of, of solar across the entire market. So um, we're we're pretty uh, proud and excited about a partnership we formed uh, as an expert um, partner, Australian exclusive training provider on open solar, and we'll also be bringing um, some services a to extend the uh, capability of what you can do with open solar proposals to really make them um, stand out and b uh, to be able to benchmark um, solar companies to identify uh, where they are you know best best at making money and best at losing money um, where they're being su- most successful in their business and how that compares to the rest of the market um, which are their outstanding sales people which are their outstanding um products, not just in terms of revenue and, and kilowatts, but in terms of actual profitability. And um, when you when you put all that interest, fascinating data uh, in, into our um, engines and uh, you know, make sure it's anonymized, etc., it's amazing the, the results that you, you start to see coming out and where you go, well, all these people are focusing on, you know, just trying to get sales of low price products, but actually you're likely to have and um, equally likely to generate a similar amount of, pro- of profit on a, a higher price product. Um, so, you know, that can really start to influence where the industry places its attention to. Hmm. Well, congratulations, and uh, look, for- look forward to um, seeing more of that. So what happens to the PV cell brand name? Does that sort of get absorbed into open solar, or does it stay as a, a, um, as a standalone? 
It stays as a standalone product. We're no longer selling it to new clients, but we are uh, continuing to uh, maintain and operate and, and service and support it for our existing client base. Uh, that, mm-hmm. And that said, some of the features and functionalities of um, PV Cell, um, like its fully customized proposal, uh, are now also available to people on, on Open Solar as well. So if people want to go beyond just what Open Solar can do in its proposals, then um, you can go into that realm of full customizability. Hey, let's get back into the um, general market out there, and I'm going to start bringing you in again too, Nigel. Um, Warwick, you started public, or we've started publishing um, your reports, your weekly updates. It showed intriguingly that for the first couple of weeks of April over Easter, um, the market wasn't as down um, much more than what we normally ha- would have expected. But I guess it it seems to me, uh, Warwick, from, from your stats, that um, things probably tracked as expected over Easter. But I suspect that somewhere out there, there's an awful lot of volatility and some people are doing quite well for some reasons and other people are starting to feel the pinch of the um, pandemic lockdown. Yeah, that's right. Look, what we track uh, within the reports we're giving your readers, Giles, there is the uh, STC registration. And that has been at record levels just just ongoingly, right? But um, And the question was, can it sustain at these levels um, and how will the um, pandemic affect it, right? And so what we've actually seen is since these um, you know, lockdown measures and uh, have been introduced, we've actually seen continued increase in uh, weekly registration volume. And the only um, thing which put a stop to that um, temporarily was um, Good Friday and, and Easter Monday. Um, and then we're right back on track. You know, the question is, yes, there's definitely some businesses, solar businesses that are hurting, definitely some that have already closed their doors. Um, and uh, as you've discussed in this uh, program before, there's some that are doing just as well as they were before. Some are down, you know, 10%, 20%, and some are doing record volumes of revenue because their, their sales are at higher prices and they're including batteries. And the question is, you know, one effect that we see possibly in this data is that people are very cash flow conscious and so bringing forward um, their process in time for STCs may be contributing somewhat to the, the current increased volume of, of STCs. But um, right now for the market as a whole, um, you know, it's looking very healthy from the, um, from the installation end. Um, notwithstanding, that doesn't tell you exactly what's happening with sales. Nigel, what are you hearing? Yeah, I, I was going to ask Warwick, um, what, um, do, do you think there's m- much impact of people who may have been sitting on STCs um, historically and are just simply clearing them out to free up cash flow? Do you, do you think that's material? I think it's definitely material. It doesn't explain everyone, though, because offsetting that, you've got some companies that are starting to register zero STCs. Uh, on a weekly basis and that's you know they're trending downwards for example so um, there's it's just a very um, turbulent landscape if you like and Mm. uh, I think the time will tell yep yep yeah uh, your question uh, Giles what are we seeing and hearing we um, we at Solar Analytics every time anyone in my sales team talks to anyone in the market we um, collect uh, answers to three critical questions. And so we're tracking what's been going on and what we think um, um, the impacts are and will be. Um, uh, in terms of the first question, what percent of impact have you seen on sales this month compared to last month? 
we have have seen that improve a little bit. So you know, not a, not as deep uh, an impact as as we were previously seeing. What percent impacts have you seen on leads compared to this month? Even that's improved a little bit. Again, you've got a wide range of results, but about 20 to 30% down on leads is what what most people on average will tell us. Um, and there's a little bit more optimism coming through in terms of where we think sales or where the market thinks sales will be next month, uh, whereas previously uh, there was an expectation that you know um, sales might be down uh, uh, much more significantly in the coming month. Um, there's a little bit more optimism creeping in now, and um, you know people are starting to feel like we're not going to go down to deeper. Uh, lockdown cuts and and you know they're working out where they can and can't do business um, effectively and safely. Um, so you know there's there's definitely impacts out there. Um, and and you know again, like we said before, the commercial guys are really being hit quite hard. But even there, we're starting to see people feeling more comfortable. So uh, again, compared to our last conversation, Giles, uh, things have uh, picked up a little bit and a little bit more optimism out there. Well, that's good to hear too. And um, we're obviously doing a little bit better on the actual um, dealing with this virus um, as well. So there's probably hope that um, we can relax some of these um, lockdown measures and um, and keep the tracking going and, um, and just uh, able to more or less start to resume or start a little bit more of what we used to remember as our normal lifestyles. Now, let's just take a short break to hear from one of our sponsors. Sunwiz are Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by a world-leading solar software platform. With personalised training and assistance, PV retailer benchmarking and individually tailored proposals, SunWiz will accelerate your solar business in the right direction. Unlock the wisdom of 10 years' experience assisting leading solar companies by visiting sunwiz.com.au. No, let's take us through some other news. You've got a whole bunch of things lined up here on um, on my website. Here's sort of new record solar energy um, conversion efficiencies from the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, look, this uh, I picked this up from the uh, internationally leading website, Renew Economy, if I recall correctly, where you talked about... Never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, where you talked about uh, the guys at NREL uh, in their labs who who have led the world for you know decades and decades and decades in fantastic research. Um, they've now, um, through the use of a multi-junction cell or multi-layer cell, so it involves the use of different types of PV tech, photovoltaic technologies layered on top of each other and um, typically in con- for use in concentrated or space applications. So it's kind of like the very upper end of what's possible. And, you know, when I started in this industry, you know, the theoretical limits of what everyone expected that we might ever be able to get out of a solar cell were, were you know, quite moderate. Um, around 30% was always the theoretical efficiency limit. But now with these multi-junction cells, they're uh, at almost 50% efficiency, which is profound, absolutely profound. And there was uh, there's a, it's a great little read, actually, about what these guys have done and um, what kind of performance they can get. Um, they were testing it under concentrated uh, applications, um, but um, just shows that there's still room to grow in terms of lifting PV efficiency, which is great news. Um, be a while before we see that in the market, of course, but you know, slowly but surely, R&D continues to help. We've, We've also seen some... Go on. No, you go. No, you, no, no, you go. 
the Northern Territory uh, back uh, back home. Uh, for those of you who didn't know, the Northern Territory has announced a change to its feed-in tariff. Uh, forever and a day, the NT has stuck to its guns and kept its feed-in tariff at one for one. So whatever you're buying for, you could sell for effectively, um, which was terrific uh, for many in many respects. It made you know um, the application for PV in the Northern Territory nice and simple. Um, um, but it's now going to drop down to 8.3 cents, which is um, quite a quite a significant change for several reasons. Um, firstly, it kind of aligns the Northern Territory with what's going on around the rest of the country, which is probably a bit overdue um, and, and gets them on board. Um, perhaps more importantly, and, and certainly something we've been really following closely and very, very interested in is when you've got a one-for-one tariff, uh, you know, there's no compulsion, there's no benefit at all for trying to self-consume energy or trying to manage when you're generating or when you're consuming. However, when your feed-in tariff drops to uh, 8.3 cents like it has in the Northern Territory, that's going to change consumers' um, behaviour. Um, it's going to require consumers, if they want to get the good economics that they previously enjoyed, to think uh, differently about how they use and how they generate energy. So it's going to cause quite a shift in the market. Um, It'll, um, interestingly for us, it uh, it really requires much more data and requires people to be able to see what's going on. So we're optimistic that the... um, the, uh, the NT market may come looking for advanced metering and monitoring like we provide. So, yeah, interesting change. Um, small market, but um, it was an interesting one to watch. Yeah, well, it's also designed to encourage battery storage. And in fact, I think the justification for changing that tariff from 1 to 1 to 8.3 cents, and I should add that that's probably just for new customers, is to help pay for their sort of uh, rather modest battery storage subsidy scheme, which I think amounts to about 140 installations. But um, look, all part of the shift in in, in the Northern Territory, it's an, it's an interesting one there. They've got a target of 50% renewables, but because there's basically bugger all wind up there, it's going to all have to be solar. And of course, solar happens all at one time during the day so it's an interesting engineering challenge for them there and clearly storage is going to be playing a yeah, quite a critical role hey Nigel I think we might have just jumped ahead of ourselves before we, we while we we're talking about the pandemic we should have actually talked about your little survey from solar analytics about um about usage patterns and consumption yeah, well, this is a, it's a good a good segue from the NT. Uh, we've we've been uh, we published uh, a great little story uh, over the last week or so in a couple of different places about what we've been witnessing in terms of energy consumption changes since the lockdown began. Um, in summary, about twenty percent of our customers have increased the self consumption of energy by about twenty percent. Um, so what that means is that we're already recording. Uh, pretty material change in energy consumption behaviour um, around the country. Um, this was across around 35,000 uh, customers that are, that are in our fleet. We also noticed that 10% of our customers increased self-consumption by almost 40%. I think it was about 37%. So small percentage of customers are really profoundly um, uh, changed the way they use energy. And the, and the time at which they're using energy, uh, and indeed there are a couple of different case studies included in that in that um, in that story that was posted that that gave three different examples of different behavioural patterns. And certainly, you know, I'm working from home. I, I, my um, office is under the house and happens to be right next to the switchboard. Uh, so I've been you know fiddling around with things and watching things. And interestingly, I noticed something uh, just yesterday. Uh, that is quite fascinating to me in that the off-peak hot water, I've got off-peak electric hot water, 
And I noticed that about uh, about three weeks ago, the trigger time, the time at which the network turns my electric hot water system on, has changed. Uh, it was previously about twelve a uh, about one a.m. that it would come on, and um, for reasons unknown to me at this point in time, it was moved forward by an hour to about midnight. Um, it wasn't that exciting, was it, Nigel? And no. Oh, oh, yes. It could well be, Giles. That could be it. That that was about three or four weeks ago, wasn't it? You're right. You're right. That probably explains it. Um, what's also interesting, though, is watching just the seasonal changes come in um, and, and the impacts on our home. We've got uh, four at home now. Uh, we're tending to use, obviously, a lot more energy during the day um, than we were previously using, uh, including hot water. Um, and uh, and the temperatures have started dropping at night just over the last couple of weeks here in Sydney. Um, so I'm watching my electric hot water consumption go up, even though I've got a diverter on my system, um, but not much solar to feed it. So I'm, I'm, I'm largely reliant on mains. So yeah, we're watching the seasons change. We're watching um, uh, daylight hours um, starting to shift and the temperatures starting to um, just tip over into autumn cool autumn nights so yeah there's 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 more change coming over the next month or so in energy consumption patterns Warwick, um, i think the nigel survey actually sort of pointed to the amount of money that people are saving nigel how much was that do you reckon over the um from from, from these increases uh, off the top of my head it was about 150 odd bucks a quarter Okay, $150 bucks a quarter. I'm just wondering because, you know, we've got all this work from home now and what I think might happen um, as we slowly emerge from this pandemic is that more people are going to find that they can work from home and they want to work from home. Not everyone, of course, can or even wants to, but I think an increasing amount of people may want to do that. Is that a... Um, how do businesses and, um, and and solar people sort of use that to sort of um, push the um, advance the cause of rooftop solar and sales? Well, look, of course, uh, as Nigel's pointing out, if you're at home more often, you're going to be consuming electricity more often, um, and it's, you know, during the daytime, etc. Solar makes even more sense than it already did. One of the things which uh, I just wish Joe Public would cotton on to that. Um, if you're concerned about uh, the, the economy, then solar is one of the best places to put your, your money. And if you uh, finance a solar system, then you're cash flow positive from day one, typically. And uh, that just means essentially you've got more disposable cash uh, in your bank account uh, every month um, just because you've got a solar system on your roof um, where the, the savings on your electricity bill are outweighing the repayments you're making. On top of which, if you're a, a business, then you've got instant tax write-offs, etc., that can, you know, again, forward load some of your financial benefits there. So, look, I'd, uh, I hope that that message can get out there because it's a, it becomes a, it turns a no-brainer into an absolute no-brainer. Yeah, it's still a bit frustrating that um, it doesn't actually get into the mainstream um, thinking, even though it's actually sort of something so sort of fundamental and basic. Um, Nigel, you've been amongst those people sort of campaigning for renewable energy and particularly solar to sort of form part of the thinking about whatever sort of you know economic um, stimulus is um, is sort of given um, as we sort of emerging from the effects of the pandemic. And I should actually point out that the um, the extended sort of online conference, um, extended webinar, call it what you will, um, of the um, of the sort of um, um, the 
the, the post-pandemic stimulus is being co-hosted by Renew Economy and the Smart Energy Council in early May. So please keep an eye out for that. But um, Nigel, what's the feedback you're getting from um, you know positioning renewables and in particularly solar as as a key part of those things? I mean, I just really like to see something a bit more than just you know building more roads. Yeah, look, and and you know, uh, I've, I've I've watched uh, workers, uh, well, I've listened to workers uh, throughout the night actually for the last two weeks, uh, repaving the road out in the front of our house, and we've had the NBN through, we've had the council through, we've had road workers through, so there's no doubt that certainly local councils are throwing um, uh, throwing energy and money and and manpower at doing tasks that they couldn't do previously, and indeed I've I've, I've spoken to a couple of um, uh, installers who have had the same reaction, uh, interestingly, from some councils who are saying, look, while these facilities are closed, let's do this work, let's get the solar on. And so there are certainly some who are proceeding and using this as an opportunity. Um, there are others who have said, no, the risk is too great. We're going to cease all work um, um, and, and you know, we don't want anyone on site. So, you know, again, a range of responses from everyone. Um, we, we haven't seen you know, the, the government or, you know, anyone else really get behind renewables and push it as, um, you know, one of the uh, solutions to all of this for businesses or for individuals. But I think I think that's getting ready to start. All those conversations are getting ready to start, Charles, because I think as, you know, Australia's done a really good job, the Australian community has done a really good job of um, of social distancing and keeping this thing under check, and that means that we can potentially start talking about, um, you know, what the what the next steps are to get back into growth mode. Um, actually, those conversations have started in our business. Is you know, okay, are we we moved very deep and made um, some reductions and and uh, and cuts very very early, and and the benefit of that to us is now we're looking at our numbers, saying, well, actually, you know, the market hasn't contracted as much as we want. Um, um, uh, maybe we can start ramping back up now and and doing and switching some things on that we'd paused. So you know, I think uh, I think over the coming weeks, Giles, we will start to see a range of really interesting ideas starting to emerge uh, for how we can stim- re-stimulate the economy. Um, luckily, we haven't seen solar installers uh, en masse uh, prevented from doing their work. Um, they've adapted really quickly. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite optimistic that solar will be one of a mix of uh, potential economic stimu- stimulus measures that we might see over the coming weeks and months. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Mate, what's next on our little agenda? Um, oh, just a couple of quick things. Um, there were a couple of interesting ones on Crap Solar this week. Uh, there was a terrific photo from uh, of uh, a user who um, thought they were being um, particularly um, optimizing the efficiency of their solar system by putting a sprinkler on there to keep them nice and cool. So they'd obviously realize that keeping panels cool helped their performance, and keeping them clean also helps their performance. However, um uh, unfortunately, draping uh, a whole lot of pipes and sprayers and sprinkler systems across the front of your solar cells uh, kind of defeats the purpose, oh sadly. And there was literally a photo 
of a homemade sprinkler system draped over the front of the solar panels, which would have prevented them from working. Um, but nice idea, but, you know, really not worth uh, the effort, especially if you lay them on top. Um, also, one of the most amazing photos I've seen in, uh, in a while, and I think this one was actually out of the US. The guy who posted it was from the US, but it was on the Australian Crap Solar site, which showed one of the large-scale ground-mounted arrays that you start to see, that we're starting to see pop up out in uh, rural and regional areas. But this one was covered in a, you know, three or four millimetre thick layer of cotton dust caused by either processing machinery or machinery passing by, and it had layered this, you know, black, uh, cotton dust all over this array and it was a photo of half of them being cleaned and half of them being not and um, it, it kind of prompted a whole lot of interesting discussion about how people are maintaining these large-scale arrays and when you put them in rural and semi-rural areas there are, there are different things that you need to think about compared to for example throwing them on a roof in a residential area so um, yeah a couple of interesting things um, uh, you know interestingly on the whole crap solar subject uh, and Warwick sort of touched on this, um, you know, those companies out there who were, there, there seems to be a whole lot less presence and advertising as a, as a general comment from the budget guys than we've seen. Um, you know, they've got so little room to move in terms of margin and, um, you know, they, they, there's, there's not much in it for them. And so all these intricacies and layers of bureaucracy and layers of, complication that we now have in the market seem to be favoring the premium people and i've spoken to quite a number of people who are saying look if you know uh uh we're we're seeing really really strong demand for people saying look you know life's chaos i want a solar system let's not mess around let's do it properly sell me good gear install it properly do everything ultra safely and of course i'm going to need to pay a little bit extra uh, for that i'm not interested in um you know choosing a super cheap solar system at this time so i'm hearing this from multiple people you know whether whether that plays out or not maybe warwick's got some data that he'll be able to share soon about those trends but um we're certainly seeing a, a little bit of a trend uh, for, from hearing from the market that uh, premium is winning out over crap uh, in in this market. Warwick, I'd invite you to join in there. I mean, I just sort of, um, you know, the virus that killed crap solo, it sounds like a headline to me, but um, do you, do you, does, your, does, does your data, or even a film, um, you know, six-part series, um, does your data, Warwick, sort of differentiate between or look, look, to what extent look, looks at, um, you know, the, the sales of sort of what you call cheap, the cheap end of the market and the premium end of the market and the middle end of the market? Uh, we do have some good data here uh, that we do cover, but I don't have a, a good summary for you off the top of my head, I'm afraid. Oh, well, that's okay. Never mind. Um, but um, but look, it's probably if the um, if the uh, if the dodgy end of the market has has um, is sort of kind of sort of disappearing, um, then that's probably a good thing. And I just wonder, Nigel, whether it's also the um, the inability to do door to door sales. Um, I, I don't know, and um, and maybe people are less tolerant of having um, incoming phone calls as well now. Yep. Yeah, I think it's all those factors. I, I think it's a lot of subtle things. I, I don't, sadly, I don't think we'll see the end of uh, crap solar, Giles. Um, although I'd love to think it was the virus that killed crap solar. That's a great 
book title that I look forward to reading uh, sometime when you finish writing that, Giles. But um, I don't think we'll see the end of it. But it's certainly and, – and, and, I mean, we've seen this every time there is a major, major impact on the market through whatever cause. Um, often what happens is, you know, some of the crap solar um, bottom feeders um, simply throw their hands up and go, oh, this has got suddenly got complicated. It's suddenly got hard. I'm just going to take my money and go. And they just shut their businesses down and go back to – you know, doing whatever it was they were doing before. Um, so we, we, we kind of expect that to happen. Um, and um, it, it's a pretty normal part of what's happening in the market. It, so it does, it does cause a bit of a flush out, which is not a bad thing. Um, and um, yeah, so we'll wait and see. They'll, they'll, I'm sure um, I look forward to seeing some data from Warwick and some of the other guys out there about, um, you know, what the price points are and whether there has indeed been, a, been an average shift across the market. Cool. Guys, before we wrap up, uh, sort of wrap up for this uh, this episode, Warwick, is there anything else that sort of um you'd like to sort of say about the uh, the industry at the moment and um what's happening now and uh, what to look out for in the near future? Oh, look, I've I'm just really grateful to be in the solar industry right now. I think that um, I've got uh, friends and colleagues all around who've seen their industries um, you know shut up uh, immediately, drop to zero. Um, whether they be in you know, entertainment, performance, uh, retail, whatever it is, um, the solar industry is still going strong. And um, you know, as I was mentioning before, it's largely recession-proof um, because of that such favourable economics. So, look, I think it's um, it's great to be in this industry. The sun is still shining, um, and uh, people still need electricity. So, um, despite every, all of the um, doom and gloom, uh, etc., I'm, I'm feeling more positive. And, and as Nigel said. Um, it seems that it's um, uh, less likely to go into uh, tighter lockdown measures and more likely to come out of it. So, um, you know, we should see, see uh, future growth uh, continuing. Hmm. Any final thoughts, Nigel? No, I think um, I think it's a matter of like a, like a couple of uh, well seasoned people have said to me. You know, we know how to handle this kind of stuff. You've got to knuckle down, tighten the belt. Uh, think intelligently, um, watch carefully what's going on in the market. It's where services like the services that Warwick provides uh, become so valuable because you can stay really, really closely in touch with the market um, and, you know, um, uh, knuckle down and uh, batten down the hatches and then, you know, get ready to come back out the other side. Mm, good stuff. Nice way to um, end this episode, guys. And um, thanks so much for joining us. Look, thank to our sponsors, um, Solar Analytics, um, uh, Open Solo, and um, PV Cell, and of course, um, Clinergy. And um, Warwick, thanks for um, thanks for joining us. And uh, good luck for the rest of the lockdown, the rest of the year, and um, and everything else. Great to be with you guys. And and, and with this um, and and with this new relationship with Open Solar. So congratulations for that. So, um, Nigel, we'll be back here in in, in a fortnight. Look forward to it. Good on you, mate. Okay. Thanks for listening now, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial, and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. 
Run your business at maximum velocity with pro setup, training and assistance. Visit sumwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.